Good evening and welcome to Burst News at 6 o'clock on February the 19th. I'm Will Griffiths and with me is Rachel Andrews. Cuba's leader for half a century steps down. Another body found in Bridgend. Northern Rock nationalisation debated. Political change in Pakistan. Ozzy Osbourne slams Heather Mills. And in sport, Champions League action tonight as Liverpool take on Inter and Chelsea travel to Greece to face Olympiacos. But first, Fidel Castro, the iconic 81-year-old leader of Cuba for the past 50 years, is to step down as ruler after, after suffering various health problems. In a letter to state newspaper Granma, President Castro said that it would, it would betray my conscience to take up a responsibility that requires mobility and total devotion, that I am not in a physical state, physical condition to offer, and that therefore he would not be accepting another five-year presidential mandate when Cuba's National Assembly meets on Sunday. Mr Castro has not been seen in public since the summer of 2006, when he underwent intestinal surgery. Since then, the communist regime has released occasional photos of him with left-wing Latin American leaders, of whom he has frequently lent his support. The country has been left in the hands of his younger brother, Raul Castro, who is expected to be named as Fidel Castro's successor on Sunday. But Fidel Castro has insisted that this will not be the last we hear of him. He has pledged to carry on fighting like a soldier of ideas, and that this is not a farewell. And what have the Americans had to say about this? Well, Cuba and America have had a spectacularly difficult relationship over the years, mainly thanks to Fidel Castro's alliance with the Soviet regime during the Cold War and his outspoken communist ideologies. It is thought that President Castro has been the target of hundreds of assassination attempts by the American CIA. One Cuban official put it at over 600. So, not surprisingly, George Bush welcomed Fidel Castro's decision to, set, to step down, saying that such a move should lead to free, to free and fair elections in Cuba, with the US helping the Cuban people realise the blessings of liberty. And the UK has also uh, welcomed this decision. Do you think this really is going to spell a change, or just a change of name? It's going to be very interesting to see how the next few months pan out in Cuba. Um, Fidel Castro will probably, almost certainly, be succeeded by his younger brother Raul, who has managed the regime for the past mm, 18 months or so. The Americans, I'd have thought, will now put an enormous amount of pressure on the, um, the country, which has, it's a surprisingly stable country. It's got 98% literary rate, there is free medical care, and the uh, child mortality rate is uh, level with that of the West, which for a Latin American country is quite surprising. As for a complete regime change, I would think it's fairly unlikely for the next few years at least. Well, essentially, as you said, it's, um, the, Raul has been running the country for the last 18 months. Mm. It's rather just the title that's changing to him. Exactly, yes. Um, Fidel Castro certainly has got a huge amount of support from other leaders, uh, such as President Chavez of Venezuela. Um, so I don't think we will be seeing anything particularly dramatic happen in the, in the next few months. That is unless, of course, the Americans decide to, uh, to intervene themselves. But they are, of course, not really in any position to do so at the moment. The body of a 16-year-old girl has been found in Bridgend. Whilst police deny any link between the previous suicides, this tragic death was the 17th suicide in a year in this small Welsh town. Only last week, two cousins aged 15 and 20 killed themselves within two days of each other. The girl has been named as Jenna Parry of Kefen Krubur, around five miles from Bridgend. 
Is there known to be any length between these suicides? Not necessarily, although the, the, with the rates being so high in such a small, close-knit town, mm. it really is quite suspicious. Um, apparently a lot of the, um, vic- not why I say victims, a lot mm. of the, uh, the, uh, the dead um, are related on um, Bebo and other such social networking places. Mm. I think the problem in Bridgend is that it is a very small town where everyone knows each other. I think there's a fairly high unemployment rate, not much for kids to do. And it has been said that this has led to you know, a general feeling of depression. The Tories have, caused, have called for the resignation of Chancellor Alastair Darling following the nationalisation of troubled bank Northern Rock. MPs today debated the motion to put the bank into temporary public ownership following its collapse in September last year. It's thought that the Tories will oppose such a motion, but the Lib Dems will support the government's plans for nationalisation. Harrods owner Mohammed Al-Fayed took the stand yesterday to give his theatrical evidence in the Diana inquest. Despite commencing by claiming he was to make no allegations, he proceeded to do just that and divulge his fascinating conspiracy theories. Whilst Mr Al-Fayed's diaries may have been short of evidence, they in no way lacked entertainment. During this time, his time at the stand, he managed to implicate the entire British and French institutions, with the notable exception of the Queen, who the Egyptian-slash-British billionaire regarded as an unimportant figure. He rather singled out the Duke of Edinburgh as the mastermind behind the supposed assassination of his own Dodie and Princess Diana. Staking ridiculous claims, suggesting Prince Philip was a Nazi, Diana was pregnant, and that the whole event was carried out by MI6 operatives who he claimed permeated all walks of life, even the British legal system. Now, I think that last one's a bit cheeky, standing it's... in a British court of law in front of a QC yeah, to you... actually suggest that it may well be a complete uh, show and everything's rather co- conducted by the MI6. It's not on, really, is it, to be honest with well, you? Well, he, he didn't seem to have any tangible evidence or any even circumstantial evidence. It's rather one man's conspiracy theory. And whilst it could well be that he had a phone call telling him Diana was pregnant, there, there are certain things we can and can't debate, but... It, it does seem very, very fantastical. Mm. I think it's a, it's a very tragic event because the Alphites were obviously an extremely close family and he clearly mourns the death of his son greatly. He clearly feels very hard done by, but as you say, to make such, uh, such allegations with no tangible evidence is pushing the boundaries of belief somewhat, perhaps. I mean, whilst I'm no psychological expert, it seems that there's a certain level of um, um, a failure of acceptance yeah. by Mr Alphite and actually... This is the only way you can really come to terms with it, is to have someone to blame. And he obviously is looking for quite a spectacular candidate. Yes. <laughs> He's certainly going against the establishment, isn't he? Oh, well, he has, hasn't he always, though? Well, yes. Despite running one of the establishment's most favoured most favorite stores. Well, indeed. The main political party, which backs the current president of Pakistan, Pervez Musharraf, has accepted defeat at the hands of the two largest opposition parties in the country. The PPP, led by Benazir Bhutto before she was assassinated in December, and the PMLN, headed by former President Nawaz Sharif, both received overwhelming support in the Pakistan elections. If they go on to form a coalition, President Musharraf could see himself being impeached, meaning his rule as president would be over. There have been fears that the elections would be marred by violence, leading to a voter turnout of just 40% in the troubled country. But luckily the deployment of around half a million security personnel seemed to deter would-be suicide bombers. President Musharraf was forced to step down as Chief of the Army in 2007. He is one of the West's key allies in the war on terror, but as Al-Qaeda and the Taliban's influence along the border with Afghanistan grows, Mr Musharraf's position has become increasingly difficult. 
Was such a defeat to his main supporting party, the PMLQ, many observers are speculating that his days as president are numbered. So can we actually call this a fair and democratic election or would that be going too far? I think there have been rumours that um, many voting boxes have been stolen or have been tampered with in some way. But it's interesting that in the days leading up to the election, the opposition parties, the PPP, which was Benazir Bhutto's party, and the PMLN, I think, yes, that's right, the PMLN, um, they claimed that um, there would be um, corruption and um, tampering of the uh, vote, which would lead to the victory of the presidential main supporting party. The fact that this party, the PMLQ, have seen defeat would suggest that there hasn't been as much corruption and as much uh, vote rigging as opposition parties feared. In what has been dubbed the Great South End Standoff, a group of angry residents gave a team of clampers a taste of their own medicine. The clampers arrived not long after daybreak, and before long, the scourges of motorists everywhere had clamped 16 cars. But instead of offering the demanded £205 fine, the residents, whose cars were still free, barricaded the clampers in, leaving them stranded. Have you ever been clamped, Will? I haven't, no. I've received a parking ticket once. Oh, although it was entirely... It was actually on the fir my first day of driving. Oh. And I just wasn't in the habit of getting out of the car and buying a ticket. That's so, your excuse. No, honestly, no. <laughs> I would never do anything deliberately illegal. I merely got out of the car, forgot to buy a ticket and strolled mm. off and did some shopping. Oh, dear. But I think it's a, I think it's a great story. Real, yeah. It's, it's sound like people power, isn't it? It sounds like something you hear in France, though, doesn't it? Yeah. It's got that real kind of Gallic element Revolutionary. To it. Yeah, the kind of minor revolution mm. within a little housing estate. Yeah, well, give the people of South End, I say. Not, of course, that we're advocating terrorising clampers. Not at all. I mean, I'm sure they're just doing their job, but well, it, it, is, it is nice to see a little victory every now and again it for is. the people. Yeah. Well, every week we do. Every week that we do this, we seem to end up reporting some political scandal or other. There's been the Derek Conway affair. There's been Peter Hayne, etc., etc. As yet another MP is caught taking money from someone he shouldn't, giving funds to his family, or simply forgetting, in inverted commas, to declare a donation. Well, once more, I can tell you that another scandal has hit the House of Commons. But this time, at its centre is not an MP, but the Speaker of the House himself, Mr Michael Martin. Michael Barnbrook, once a member of the UK Independence Party and now of the British National Party, has complained to the Parliamentary Standards Committee that Mr Martin used air miles gained by official business to get reduced fares for his family's New Year trip from Glasgow to London. Ministers are forbidden to use air miles for personal use. But Mr Martin is not a minister, and therefore he is not bound by the same rules. However, Commons officials advise that normal MPs, like Mr Martin, should only use air miles for business. Lib Dem MP Norman Baker has attacked the Speaker, saying that this will further damage public confidence in the system of parliamentary expenses. Ironically, Mr Martin chairs the Commons Committee overseeing MPs' expenses. And following the scandal caused by Derek Conway earlier in the year, Mr Martin is also leading a parliamentary inquiry into MPs' expenses. Without wishing to belittle what is essentially another corruption scandal in our beleaguered political system, yes. how much is it to fly from Glasgow to London? Well, he flew his family from bu with business class, right. um, and it wasn't just you know his close family; it was also his children's families. And yeah. I believe the estimated cost of the round trip was something in the region of three thousand pounds. Wow! He managed with his air miles to get three hundred and sixty pounds per head off the uh, off the entire trip. 
So he, you know, he clearly did quite well out of it. But it's it's greed more than anything, isn't it? When he, he could have got a mega bus, surely. Exactly, you'd think. <laughs> What's wrong with the good old mega bus? Exactly, with or our tax- even EasyJet. With our taxpayers' money. Exactly. Yes, I think the problem is you know, whereas in the nineties we saw a lot of um, sort of you know there was a lot of sleaze and scandal. Quite a lot of it was sexual related. I seem to remember there mm. were various Tory MPs caught with their knickers down and with various secretaries and other MPs, interestingly. Now the focus seems to turn to uh, to the money side of things. And of course, once one scandal gets unearthed, the whole lot comes tumbling out of the wardrobe. And this is just yet another, and I doubt it will be the last. In one of the most bizarre stories I've ever reported on, an amateur pilot has crash-landed in the Caribbean. Maurice Kirk, 62, from Glamorgan, and his 65-year-old aircraft went down 80 miles from land. Yet the accident-prone aviator was picked up by Coast Guards after they traced his emergency beacon. However, this story goes back beyond this, as Mr Kirk, a former drinking partner of the late Oliver Reed, a man uh, reputedly known for his drinking, I believe. Yeah, I um, think he was quite up there. First hit the headlines when he took part in the London to Sydney air race in 2001, but was banned from the final flypass after officials feared the Welshman would try to loop the Harbour Bridge. A year later, he was struck off the Royal College of Veterinarians for disgraceful conduct, following 11 convictions, including assault. Then in 2005, in the same plane, he crashed into a lorry on a street in Japan. I must explain, he was flying and then came down and crashed into the lorry that was driving on the street. That's good flying. And then remarkably, Mr Kirk was actually the victim of a mugging in uh, Cuba only nine days ago. Wow, things really aren't going too well for him. No, well, quite, a, quite an interesting person, though, obviously. Yeah. He's had quite an exciting life. And Although anyone who's uh, Oliver Reed's drinking partner isn't going to be a dull sort. Well, I'm imagine. surprised he's still alive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> God knows what state he is living in, let's mm. just put it that way. Well, I don't know, Will, did you happen to be anywhere near the Wills Memorial Building this afternoon, about four o'clock? Because I certainly was, and I, it was I, I, I was near there, I was in lectures, that's near enough, I suppose. Good for you, glad to see you still uh, going <laughs> to che- university. Just checking, you know. Yeah. Well, if you happen to have been uh, near the World's Memorial, you will know that it was absolute pandemonium as there, were, as there was another degree ceremony going on. And GCHQ Chief Mathematician was made an Honorary Doctor of Science today, together, together with actor, director and former student of Bristol University, Tim Pickett-Smith. Pickett-Smith, who has starred in North and South, The Remains of the Day and um, Holby Blue, but never mind, has also directed many Shakespeare plays and occasionally lectures at his former university. He was made a Doctor of Letters at the degree ceremony. Um, any other famous names there? Because there's quite a few famous Bristol alumni, aren't there? There are. Do you want to hear some of them? We have... Are there any good, only if there are some good ones there. Oh, trust me, there are some very, very good ones. Okay. We have got, of course, Matt Lucas and David Williams, both yeah. of whom studied uh, drama at the university. Well, Little Britain is very bristol orientated, isn't it? It is, I think yeah. I bumped into Vicky Pollard a few times, Oh, actually. there are many of them around, <laughs> I can assure you. Um, fellow alumni is Simon Pegg, of, of course, Hot Fuzz, Spaced and Shaun of the Dead fame, one of yeah. my favourite actors, I have but, Yeah, to say. great actor. Real credit to Bristol University, that one. Um, um, Stranglers lead singer Hugh Cornwell did biochemistry. Uh, James really? Blunt did sociology. To, to go from the Stranglers to James Blunt, that's quite a... I know, yeah. Know. I'm not sure I think anyone wants to be too proud of going to the same university as James Blunt. I've seen interviews very well, though. Does S- he? Saw an interview with him on Top Gear. Yeah, Came across very well, kind of mm. quite self-deprecating, quite mm. amusing. I, I just, I was spitting in rage okay. and hatred at him. Um, we also have Kieran Bracken, the England rugby star who studied yeah. law. Former scrum half. Darren Brown studied law. Um, Babe author Dick King Smith did um, an education degree. Josh Lucy, another England uh, footballer, thank you, rugby, that's what I meant, uh, did physiology. And Sarah Montague of Radio 4 studied biology. 
Wow, it's quite, that's quite an impressive list, actually. It is, they're yeah. quite They're all media or sport-orientated. They are, really. yeah. We do also have the uh, Chief Medical Officer studied here and the Chief Veterinary Officer studied here. That, that just seemed too boring for me because I'm an art student and yeah, I don't focus enough. on science. It's only interesting what you see on the telly, really, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yes. Um, in technology news, a winner looks set to emerge from the fight for the new high-definition player. Following poor sales, Toshiba is reported to be halting its production of HD DVD players effectively seeding defeat to Sony's far more popular Blu-ray format. Mm. Apparently Sony's um, pop- well, the Blu-ray popularity came from Sony putting it in the PlayStation 3 game. Because yeah. obviously that's one of the highest profile games mm. consoles of this year, well, at the end of last year rather, mm. and um, that's really propelled it forward. Mm. Whereas um, HD DVD, whilst they're in talks with um, Microsoft, yeah. it wasn't actually put in as mm. standard in the Xbox 360. Interesting. So for all of those of you who can afford an HD TV, which mm. I don't know how many t- HD TVs are talking about in Redland. Uh, um, I'd imagine actually there are probably quite a few. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. And then um, you can, well, if you want to plug an HD, well a high definition, sorry rather, DVD player mm. into it, you should invest in a Blu-ray because they've Get got far Blu-ray. more mm. films on release. And Warner Brothers with a key one of the key facts in this exactly, as well yeah. because they've decided to go with Blu-ray rather than HD DVD. Interestingly, I heard that um, many soaps such as EastEnders and Corrie are having to rebuild some of their sets because um, HD TVs show up all the uh, scratches and bumps and wear and tear of the sets. I'm not surprised to be honest. Yeah, well, anything like EastEnders has been going for a while. Mm. Following a successful pilot scheme, the Financial Services Authority will hand out information packs to parents-to-be, containing details of everything from maternity leave to child tax credits. The aim of the FSA is to help new parents save money at an extremely expensive time. A spokesman for the FSA said, We want people to have real confidence in dealing with their finances, especially at a time when a new baby arrives. The trial scheme targeted 1,500 new parents and was overwhelmingly successful, with almost 70% of expectant mothers taking action for their finances as a result of having read the packs. Parenting groups have also welcomed the initiative. The FSA will distribute the packs to midwives from the summer in England and they will be introduced to the rest of the UK in 2009. In the wonderful world of showbiz, Ozzy Osbourne, the ageing Black Sabbath rocker and co-presenter of the Brits on Wednesday night, has slammed Burst Radio's favourite celebrity, that's right, Heather Mills. She's back really? in the news. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Ozzy and his wife Sharon have, have promised to throw Sir Paul McCartney's ex-wife off stage if she attends the Earl's Court ceremony, with Sharon, as outspoken as ever, bless her, branding her a miserable old cow. That, that's some, somewhat rich coming from Sharon Osbourne. Of I, I think whatever else you could say for Sharon Osbourne, I don't think she's probably a miserable old cow. Okay. The Mills bashing stems from Ozzy's respect for the iconic Beatle, who he will present with a Lifetime Achievement Award. Ozzy named Sir Paul McCartney as his hero. Wow. Quite surprising. Quite an honour. Mm. As for Lily Allen, the past couple of months really haven't treated her too well, unfortunately. She's another Burst Radio favourite here. Yeah. First, we saw the tragedy of her miscarriage, followed by the split from her chemical brother boyfriend, Ed Simons. Now, the young popster has been dropped as the face of luxury undies brand, Argent Provocateur. Alan has already done one photo shoot for the brand since being signed in November, but following the divorce of Argent Provocateur's founders, Joe Corre and Serena Reese, it is unclear whether the pictures showing Alan in a corset with a whip will be used. And Emma Watson, a.k.a. Hermione Granger of Harry Potter fame, has apparently been banned from hanging out with bad boy rocker Johnny Borrell by her parents. Mr and Mrs Watson were said to be furious after seeing pictures of their 17-year-old little darling parting with Johnny Borrell after a London Fashion Week show. Borrell has been linked to a number of uh, celebrity women, but Watson has insisted in her blog that she's just a fan of the band. 
I heard, wasn't he linked with Peaches Geldof or someone? He's been linked with all, isn't he? They're all a bit young though, aren't they? Yeah. I don't, it's want, to, I don't want to start any stuff. Well, it sounds a bit seedy. Mm. I think I heard a rumour Emma Watson was trying to come to Bristol. Really? I think that's a rumour I've heard. I don't know if she's in her final year or. Someone said that she, well, was, she was looking around or something like that. Interesting. I'd have thought she wouldn't really need to worry about ever doing anything ever again. Well, apparently not. But there's, and also someone said there's a bulletproof room somewhere. I'm not sure which halls it's in. <laughs> what, just for her? Well, like bulletproof glass. That's somewhere, amazing. I think someone said, um, what's the new, new posh one? Goldney Hall. Apparently there's a bulletproof room nice. there. So if she's, I guess, the biggest celebrity of the year gets that. Yeah, well, maybe Ewan Blair was there, was there for a yeah, while. Yeah, exactly. Maybe Chelsea, yeah. whatever her name was, who was going out to Prince Harry. Because I know she was rumoured to be coming to Bristol. I don't think she is anymore. Maybe they Someone said she was at Leeds. Yes. I don't know. Well, what's going on in the world of sport, Will? Well, not much is happening in the world of sports today, I'm afraid. It makes you sad, Although, the Champions League is back. After the agony of the winter break, Europe's premier competition is to grace our televisions once again. And most people's eyes will be on Anfield, where Rafa Benitez's charges tried to get their season back on track after being unceremoniously dumped out of the FA Cup at the hands of lowly Barnsley. Pressure is mounting on Benitez, whose team are languishing outside of the all-important Champions League qualifying spots. Whilst this is a potential financial blow, matters are made worse as the prestigious club also find themselves behind their Merseyside rivals. However, the Reds have a rather impressive record in the Champions League and will hope to continue their campaign against Serie A runaway leaders Inter Milan. The San Siro outfit will fancy their chances against the shell-shocked Liverpool side. Although Liverpool's £26 million Spanish goal machine, Fernando Torres, is set to make a very welcome return to lead the line. Chelsea are also in action tonight, although Avram Grant has chosen to leave three of his key players off the plane to Greece, with Frank Lampard, Nicolas Anelka and captain John Terry all left out of the side for tonight's game against Olympiacos. Chelsea kick off at 7.45, live on ITV4, and Liverpool start at the same time over on ITV1. What would a defeat mean for the Reds if it happened tonight? Well, Going back to Liverpool's well it's, it's the, um, the last 16 now, so it's knockout stage of the Champions League. Um, so tonight, if a defeat tonight, uh, per se, mm. is, would be a, ag- they'd be down on aggregate. Mm. And so that would have to make it up in, at the San Siro. It's a very difficult place to go to. So whilst Liverpool can afford to lose and not necessarily get out of the cup, mm. they really need a draw or probably a win. I think the most important thing is to keep... Inter Milan out. They can't af- really afford to let Inter Milan score. Sure. So a 1-0 victory, a 2-0 victory would be mm-hmm. ideal for Liverpool. Um, and if they were actually were to lose this, this and go out of the competition at this stage altogether, well, they would be in a lot of trouble because um, luckily they've got a lot of investment potentially coming in from uh, Dubai, mm-hmm. but Tom Hicks and George Gillette have just re- re- financially restructured the club. And whilst it's safe, it, they, clubs of the, of the magnitude of Liverpool mm-hmm. always bank on the Champions League revenue. And obviously, if they don't finish within the top four of the Premiership at the end of the season, the only way for them to compete in the Champions League is to win it. Yeah. And then to play back in it. But obviously, though, they need a good run anyway just to bring the finance up for this year. So mm. being out of the FA Cup, obviously they're not in the League Cup final, and not within the title race of the Premiership, they really need to start, they need to hit the semis at least. Mm. Otherwise, it would be quite a disappointing season. For Rafa Benitez, who the fans have always... Stuck behind. He's had a lot of support, hasn't well, he's he? He's had a lot of support from the fans, because, but it's also been made greater by the fact that he stands for what the fans stand for. The, sure. There's these rich American owners, Tom Hicks and George Gillette. And whilst Tom Hicks actually was, um, uh, was uh, praising Rafa Benitez today mm. in the papers and saying actually how he thought he was a great manager and that they had, he had their full support, they are the American capitalists who've come in and 
they've taken over Liverpool and they, the fans mm. believe they've lost the ideals. Because obviously Liverpool, whilst it's a very rich club, it's, it's a very, fans club. It's isn't a it? fans club. It's very mm. much based on the uh, on the cop, and it's a real die-hard support. You know, it's not mm. like the prawn. I mean, obviously the Stretford end, there's some real fans in Manchester, sure. but the uh, the prawn sandwich brigade, as Roy Keane called them, have become far too prevalent within Manchester yeah. United. Um, back in uh, Bristol, though, mm. Bristol City failed to take advantage of their chance to go top of the championship last night as the only manager draw against mid-table Crystal Palace. Although they nearly got nothing out of the game when Darren Byfield missed an 86th-minute spot kick with City trailing 1-0, and they had a nerve-wracking finish until Jamie McComb headed home from a corner in the fourth minute of injury time. In Rugby Union Six Nations news, Sale scrum half Richard Wigglesworth has been handed his first start as England scrum half against France on Saturday evening. The rest of the team remains largely unchanged, but the return of prop colossus Andrew Sheridan will give Brian Ashton's team a boost ahead of the game against the much-fancied French. Mm. And that's all your sport news, I'm afraid, Rachel. Well, it's not much happening in the world of sport, is there today? Not really, no. I mean, there's a big game, a six, big weekend of Six Nations games. Mm. And, uh, I'm actually going to uh, the Wales-France game. Very nice. The March 15th, it's the, uh, the climax of the tournament. And where will that be held? It's held in the Millennium Stadium. That'll be a good one. Uh, it'll be great, and so I'll be reporting there live. I've got special press tickets. Excellent. So I'll be there reporting for Burst Radio. Do. Our man on the field. Yep. See if you can grab some of them players. I'll see if well. I can grab some players. It should be the, uh, it could potentially be the Grand Slam uh, decider because Wales and France are both unbeaten at the moment. And whilst the French are more fancied, mm. the Welsh are playing well. And, and uh, they're going to be playing at home. They're playing at home, and they've got Warren Gatland as their coach, and he seems to be performing miracles as a Kiwi. Well, it's going to be juicy. Yeah. As for the weather over the next few days, it doesn't look too bad. I think uh, Saturday is going to be fairly wet though, I'm afraid, but average temperature is going to stay fairly low, getting a bit warmer towards the end of the week. That's not too bad, because although it's been sunny, it's been cold. It's been beautiful though, hasn't well, it? Well, I've I, I got to agree, walking across the downs on the yeah. frosty mornings, and there's been a bit of mist kind of rising mm. across. It's been very atmospheric. Very atmospheric, very moody. Yes. Yeah, we love that, don't we? Yeah. We do at Burst Radio. Right, I've got a little treat for the Burst listeners now. Uh, it's a band. Have you heard of Air Traffic? I have indeed. They have. They got a bit of radio on air. They they? They had a bit of national radio airplay, and uh, but they're actually from my hometown. Really? Yep, they are. Uh, Chris Wood. No, that's not his surname. I have no idea. I I don't know why you're looking at me. (laughs) (laughs) I've forgotten his surname now, but um, yeah, they're uh, some of Christchurch's finest, and they've had hit the big time a little bit. But they're actually very good musicians as well. Mm. And um, so I'm going to play one of their songs. This is Air Traffic from their Fractured Life album, a song called No More Running Away. And this has been the news, and I've been Will Griffiths. I've been Rachel Andrews. Thank you very much for listening.